So what I tend to see show up in my community is because of the expectation. Yes. And that's where I was going. Yeah. Right. Because suddenly then you have this expectation of the other person and they fail to meet it. Right. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 230 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Welcome back, Jack. How you know it's Jack listening? Jack and Jacqueline. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) So y'all, one of the cutest things, the oldest step grandbaby is talking. And he says, pumping for pumpkin. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. He points at it, pumping? <laughs> yeah. And the way he does it, pumping? Like it's a question. Yeah. Yep. Well, we will say, we went to a yard sale, a church yard sale that was supposed to start at 7. So we got up early, and we get there. We're about 7.08 when we pull up. The people aren't ready. Yeah. Like nowhere near ready. <laughs> and this guy's sitting there saying, we're still bringing stuff out, and he's sitting in a chair eating grits. <laughs> I'm thinking, you ain't helping do nothing, fella. <laughs> well, he didn't get to where he is by helping. <laughs> <laughs> so one of our biggest pet peeves is to go to something like that. If you say it starts at 7, you should be ready at 6.45. Right? At least. At least. You should be 100% ready when you say that you're going to be 100% ready. If you're going to say what you're going to do, then, then just do what you said that you're going to do. That's all it is. <laughs> it's just that easy. It's, it drives me nuts. Like you're wasting my time. Yeah. Like get up, come over here. And I'm sitting, I pull up, and, and you know, it's not just that one. This is just the straw. Yeah. We've had several of these mm-hmm. where you pull up and it's like, are y'all not ready? In one place we went one time, we were like 45 minutes past the time they were to start. And the guy's like, if you come back in a couple hours, we'll have everything out. I'm like, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you should have done this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So David's and I, Saturdays, um, when the weather permits. We go yard selling, and then we go eat breakfast. That's kind of our date day. Yep. That's the time we can have fun, and and Lori likes to plan all the, you know, where we're going to hit first and second and third. Of course, this past weekend. <laughs> it was a mess. It snuck up on her because we. she's like, we're going to this neighborhood that's got having a yard sale. And I'm like, okay, is this like a everybody come to one place yard sale? Or like? Every house in the place is going to have a yard sale? And she's like, I don't know. Well, I mean, now we've been to community yard sales before, and they'll have balloons on the mailbox or something like that. Well, this place had a link on their Facebook page, and I click on it, and it's wanting me to download Google Maps. I already have Google Maps. So that was kind of confusing, but I Mm -hmm. finally said, screw it, and I did it. And then all of a sudden, I can see that there's 86 addresses. Yeah. Not only is it 86 different houses, but then we realize as we're doing this that there's like 
what, 2,500 houses in this area? At least. <laughs> so we're like riding around in circles, <laughs> trying to figure out where we are at. And it's one time we passed this house. She goes, oh, oh, look at that yard sale. I'm like, we just left that one. <laughs> because I said, oh, look at that yard sale. It's like they got some good stuff. I'm like, oh, we already been there. <laughs> That's the one we just left two minutes ago. <laughs> And this one lady starts laughing at Lori because she jumps out of the car before I was stopped. Well, that's because when we would pull up, you say, ready, set, go. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to rush you through it. Like, come on, go, 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 go. Hurry, yeah. hurry, hurry. Well, usually we have to do that because there's so many people going to those things. But for some reason, people weren't going to that one. I don't understand why because it was some nice stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, usually it's like a little train of people going through and you're racing them out of the cars. I told her we need to start like being the the flippers, you know, the yard sale flippers. You buy stuff at a yard sale and turn around, sell it online. That's because I got this cute little um, thing. Oh, I forgot. Like a it's called a wheelie bug. On. A wheelie bug. And you ride on it, and it's got like a little leather seat and a little handle for the kids and little antennas, and it's so cute. And I was like, this is expensive. I paid $5 for it, and they sell for like 85 bucks. We saw some for 50 used, some new 120, so it just varies. But still, I got a good deal. And David keeps trying to tell me to sell it. And I'm like, no, sell it's it. for the grandbabies. Sell it. It's for They'll the never grandbabies. Know. Sell it. No. If anybody wants it, let, us, let me know, and I'll <laughs> ship it to you. <laughs> no. No, no, no. All right. I'll even autograph it. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> Nobody wants your autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the IRS. Okay. So they make me sign stuff all the time. <laughs> Our guest today is Dr. Tracy Dogleash. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Her last name is Dogleash. No, Dogleash. Okay. I understand sure when I said it, it, and it sounds like Dogleash. It's D A L G L E I S H. Dogleash. Okay. You don't believe me? I, I don't think you're pronouncing it right. Okay, I'm probably not. We'll find out because <laughs> I'm sure I make a fool of myself when I go to introduce her. <laughs> like, talking to her. Anyway, we talk about boundaries. We talk about her upcoming book, I Didn't Sign Up for This. Stories of Unlocking Old Patterns and Finding Joy in Our Relationships. She has... A podcast called I'm Not Your Shrink. <laughs> I like that. I guess she's not a shrink. <laughs> she's not a shrink. We talk about negative relationship cycles. We witness those within our own family. I think so. You were in one. You are it. <laughs> Maybe you are still in one. <laughs> I am. <laughs> then we talk about the gap between expectations and reality. Mm. That is a very, very complex continuum. For example, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, we were going to go to a hippie fest. <laughs> yeah, y'all heard it right. <laughs> I wanted to go to a hippie fest. And so <sighs> Jackson and his girlfriend were going And so after church, they come here, and we decide to stop by McDonald's to grab something to eat. (laughs) There's a place to not have expectations. David hates McDonald's. 
And we figured it'd be quick, you know, as quick as normal expectations. 15, 20 minutes, right? Drive through. 40 minutes later, and the order was still wrong. By that point, I'm tired. I'm done. I'm ready to not go. <laughs> I'm ready to not go. <laughs> I used all my energy in that drive through at McDonald's. <laughs> I tried to tell y'all. So we get to um, not even halfway to the Hippie Fest, and we pass the Waxall Fall Festival and decided to just stop there and stay at that one. Yep. So. Yep. And the whole time, your son's girlfriend, Kennedy, is saying, McDonald's never messes up my order. McDonald's always gets it right. I love going to McDonald's. McDonald's never gets my order wrong. It's always the same. It must be y'all. Y'all must always get it wrong. I don't know why it's wrong because it never is wrong whenever I come over here. I'm like, oh my Lord. And she even ordered it on the app because we thought that would be quicker. But now, granted, I think she finished placing the order right as I pulled up to the drive thru. I was going to say, we were already in line. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but s- certain things drain me, and that was one of them. I didn't have energy to drive all the way to Salisbury, North Carolina. I was done. It deflated me. My expectations were not met, so my energy level was deflated. I can't say my feelings were hurt. A bit, a bit. I don't know that the hippies would have wanted to see me. All right. <laughs> Next year, I'm going by my darn self, and I ain't <laughs> stopping by McDonald's neither. You go right ahead. I will. Give me some flowers at the hippie fest. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that at the, at the uh, graveyard. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Sorry. I got off on my tangent again. We also talk about the wise mind. Versus the reactive mind. Mm. Nachoing gave me a wise mind. Prior to Nacho, it was an extremely reactive mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it wasn't just your mind that was extremely reactive. Your mouth was too. We also talk about the four C's in relationships. <laughs> See how she did that, guys? <laughs> I do that all the time. What's funny is sometimes I don't even hear what crap you say. When I'm editing them, it's when I hear it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even respond to him. (laughs) The four C's in a relationship. Curiosity. Compassion. Connection. And collaboration. Oh, you have a fifth one. Cursing. David. (laughs) I do not. What about confusion? (laughs) What about conundrum? (laughs) <laughs> what about crazy what about cantankerous yeah crazy there you go that's the season <laughs> for sure that's the season what about complicated there's a lot of people in that season yeah complicated <laughs> it's complicated mm-hmm. and we also talk about triangulation in what way you have to listen to find out David is that like trying to figure out where you're going, triangulation? No, it's trying to figure out the angle of the right angle. Oh. No, David. Okay. You'll see. If you listen, Linda. I'll see if I listen. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, folks. Let's get to listening so we can see. <laughs> 
See with your ears, she said. See with your ears. <laughs> uh. Today we have Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. Hey, Tracy, how are you? I'm well, Lori. Thank you so much for inviting me into your community here. It is such a gift to be able to sit with you today. Well, thanks for being a guest and helping us with some of these things that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about you. Oh, goodness. The elevator question. My favorite one. <laughs> I am a psychologist and a couples therapist. I'm up here in Ottawa, Canada. And I also own a mental health clinic called Integrated Wellness. I happen to own it with my husband. So we are oh. co-owners. And I, I like to put these roles out front because these are part of my identities, but there are other, there's another identity that's a really big part of my life. And that is that I'm a mom to two young kids. And there is definitely one thing that I can appreciate, which is the difficulties of balancing all of the things. Yes. How old are your kids? Mm, they're eight and six. And the... It's been such an interesting experience to be online, actually. So I started my online courses and programs in 2018, 2019. I first appeared on Instagram under Dr. Tracy D in 2018. And it's been really interesting to see the landscape of social media change in the past several years. Yes, it changes daily. It changes daily. Well, yes. And then also too, though, the beautiful thing is being able to connect and learn and grow, such as your community, which has been so important for I know so many people. Right. It's like we're given that opportunity to help people. And mm. social media can be a bad thing. We know that. But it can also be a wonderful thing. It can be a beautiful connector, of course. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was boundaries. A lot of times step parents come in and we will say stepmoms specifically will come in and try to be super stepmom. They take on all this responsibility of taking care of these kids that aren't theirs and then they're burnt out and they're resentful. Mm -hmm. So yes. really I want to talk about boundaries, but also I think it would be good if we talk about how to balance life in general and also the healthy boundaries that we can set. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, you you are targeting one of my favorite topics. And it's such a hot topic because the word boundary is a heavily used word now. Mm -hmm. And yet oftentimes it comes with a lot of misunderstanding around what a boundary actually is, how we actually go about sharing our boundaries and upholding them. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a common story for stepmoms in particular. I know many of them in my office, many of the couples that I've worked with who are blending their families, that this is that common theme that shows up is the super stepmom. She shows up and she's giving all of the things. And then of course, anyone who gives all of the things over time, who loses their boundaries, who loses their own needs and nurturing of the self then lands into resentment. Yeah. And it's so easy to fall into that resentment. I did it. Yeah. Lori, I did it too. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, you know, it's interesting in 20, 
let's see, 2018. So my daughter was one and maybe it was before then. It must've been before then. So somewhere in 2017, I remember feeling just the depths of resentment in my relationship and thinking, is this just me? I don't understand. No one's ever really talked about this. I see all of these parents at the park and families together and they seem to be okay. And yet here I am resenting my partner. And I think it's an important emotion that we understand. And it's a complex one as well. We know that Resentment is like an iceberg where the tip of the iceberg is that feeling of resentment and underneath there are all kinds of other emotions that might be jealousy, envy, loss, grief, anxiety, anger. When we're wronged, it makes sense to feel angry. And if we don't do anything with that resentment, we know that it slowly erodes away at the health of our relationship. And one of those solutions that we need to look at when we go inwards, because often what we do, Lori, is when it comes to resentment, we look outwards and say, well, if you were different, Mm -hmm. if you dealt with your kids differently, Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't be feeling this. Yeah. If you would make your kids be respectful to me, we wouldn't have any problems. Yes. Right. Um, And gosh, that is not a boundary. That That is a statement of wishing for somebody else to change and mm-hmm. how human that I, I really want to just humanize that in the sense of when we are struggling, it is so natural to look outside of us at what needs to change, what other things need to change, right? We right. do it at work. We do it in our relationship. We do it with the kids, with the stepkids. And Instead, we need to practice shifting inwards, which can be hard and uncomfortable. Oh, definitely. I remember when we were in our hardest part of our blend that when I realized that I was part of the problem. Mm. And I know I mentally thought we can go one of two ways with this. We can go pity party or we can go, that's great because I can work on me. Yes. And how empowering that is too, right? When you acknowledge that there's something you're doing in the dynamic that isn't working, then you have a choice. And having choices also draws upon ourselves the sense of agency that we need. And that, oh gosh, you have choices. Yes. And and the other thing that reminds me of when we talk about choices is our core needs, one of our fundamental needs is to be able to have freedom and to have power. And power not in the sense of I'm going to control the other person, but power in the sense of in this moment, what will help me feel good? What choice do I want to make so I can feel empowered within myself? Right. And yeah, looking inwards, um, that's so important. You know, one of the things that I learned through this journey is I can't control how my husband chooses to parent. I can't control how his ex parents. I can't control how the stepkids like or don't like or even respond to me. But what I can control is how I let those things affect me. And that is the ultimate control. Mm. Mm-hmm. 16, 17 years ago, I'd have been like, oh, no. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No, if you make me mad, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. But no. If I'm mad, I allowed you to make me mad. I have that control. And I can choose happiness over sadness. It's so powerful when you can say, what What do I want to do in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. I, am I, yes, I can feel angry. And then what do I want to do with that? Right. But it's not, yeah, instead of looking outward and blaming. Yeah, and it's not dismissing those feelings, like just sweeping them under the rug. 
Feel them. Be mad for five minutes. Set a timer on your phone. But don't be mad because the dishes weren't done for three days. Mm. It's going to ruin your relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it is that anger, that resentment that we sit in. And again, we think, well, if you were different, if you just showed up differently, then we wouldn't be here. But instead it is the, okay, what do I want? What do I want? What do I don't want? And so when we even think of that conversation around what is a boundary, that is what a boundary is. It's about a statement, letting others know or letting yourself know what you want to happen or what you don't want to happen. It's a needs conversation. Yes. And sometimes we don't know what our boundaries need to be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we express our boundaries, it upsets other people, but that's because they can't take advantage of us. Yeah. Tell me more about that when you say that. I'm I'm, I'm curious what you're thinking about. Okay. For instance, if I was late to work because I had to take David's kids to school and I'm stressing out every morning, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job because I'm late, sliding in the parking lot on two wheels, trying to get there on time. And if I told David, I can't take your kids to school anymore because it makes me late to work. Mm-hmm. That's my boundary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. Right. And he, in turn, can say, you don't love my kids. You're not helping me with my kids and get upset about it. He's not upset that I have this boundary, per se, as much as he's upset of how it's going to affect him. Mm. I love how you're differentiating that. How oftentimes what we do in our relation, our negative relationship cycles is that we, we, we get spun into our dynamic, right? All couples have a dynamic, a negative cycle. And we know this when we look at systems theory, which tells us that as one person does something, it influences the other person, which then influences the other person. It's back and forth. It's like dancing, right? When you mm-hmm. step forward, your partner steps back. They step forward, you step back. And what we tend to do then also, too, if we throw in the boundary conversation around here, is that instead of saying we are in a dynamic, we are in a cycle, that we then point the finger to the person and say, you're making me angry. This is your fault mm-hmm. if you did something different. Rather than, I think what you're suggesting here, Lori, is go inwards and ask yourself, what is it that you need? And what is it that's really upsetting you? Right. What's underneath that? And so you're saying for David, that example, it's a great example. David is actually struggling with other stuff in there. Not necessarily that you've had this boundary, but that now he has having to change his schedule, which rightfully so, of course, he's going to be upset about it. Mm -hmm. But what we do then is that, you, Lori, so this is what I see stepmom struggling with, is they set the boundary, their partner's upset, and then they personalize their upset feelings. Yes. And we say they're upset because of me. No, they're upset. They're entitled to be upset. This is an inconvenience to them if we stick to this example. This, you know, oh, it sucks. My partner was taking my kids to um, to, to school, and now I have to do it. Mm-hmm. But that's not because there's something faulty or wrong with you or not enough about you as a partner, as a stepmom, as being in blending your family, this is a boundary. Right. And you brought up personalizing things. Mm-hmm. As a step parent, we tend to th- take things personally. Mm. 
And it's hard not to, especially if little Johnny leaves a note on the kitchen counter that says, I hate my stepmom. Yeah. But it's not you as much as it's what you represent. Mm -hmm. Tell me, yeah, tell me that part about what you represent. A lot of times the kids, the stepkids look at you and you represent that their parents are never going to get back together. Mm -hmm. You... If you can be the best stepmom ever and bring them gifts all the time, and you think, how can that be bad? Well, you can represent what their other parents not doing for them. You can be a reminder that my own mom doesn't give me this stuff. My mom doesn't mm-hmm. show me this attention. But it's rarely about the step parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we personalize it and make it about ourselves, mm-hmm. and then that's that's that piece where we lose our boundaries. Yes, where we where we so when we think of boundaries, we can think of a pendulum swinging back and forth, where we can go into porous boundaries, where we might not have any boundaries. We might say yes when really we mean no. We take on other people's problems. We jump into solution mode. We're there to fix someone. That's a porous boundary. Or we swing past healthy, if we think of the pendulum swinging, over to rigid boundaries, mm-hmm. which is applying the same rule to every situation. So from you know a rigid boundary, be like, no, David, from now on, I'm never driving your kids anywhere. Right? That, right? that would be a rigid approach. They are often inflexible. They don't consider the relationship or the context. And so someone in the healthy boundary space, though, can state what they want to need from their values. They don't feel guilty about saying no. They honor their no. And they can understand that when someone is upset about something, it's not about them. Mm -hmm. And so if we go back to little Johnny leaving that note on the kitchen counter, that boundary for yourself might be, I'm going to allow kids to have their feelings And that makes sense. And I'm not going to go into a people-pleasing mode to try to get their love and approval. That's Mm -hmm. a self-boundary, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. And it's okay for kids to set boundaries. Yes, absolutely. We need need everybody to have these, right? Right. And I am a firm believer, and I know a lot of people won't agree with me, but if I told my son, oh, look, there's your Aunt Jenny. Give her a hug. And if he says, I don't want to give her a hug, I'm not going to force my kid to hug somebody. Mm. Because? Because if he was comfortable doing it, he would do it automatically. Yeah. And there's something that's telling him, I don't want to hug that lady. And it may just be something as simple as she smells like mothballs. <laughs> 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 Who wants to hug when they smell like mothballs? Right. You know, adults don't want to either. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, you know, I think this is where we have a shift in terms of how we are talking about our needs and wishes. And I don't know about you, but for me, I was taught that when grandma wants a kiss, you go and give her a kiss. You go and give her the hug because that's just what families do. And so as little girls and little boys, we were taught not to listen to our no and taught to do things so that, you know, out of guilt, right? Mm -hmm. And then what has shown up for us as adults are this, you know, beautiful people, but sadly we have this people-pleasing part of us where we're like, yes, of course I'll do that. And, and I think then that brings the question in for if we just switch the context to stepmom for a moment of asking yourself, 
do I tend to lean into people pleasing? Do I go into this space where I want others to be happy? And what's that about for me? Right. And Laura, you and I started talking about at the beginning of how we look outwards at others, but this would be that really powerful shift to go inwards and say, am I trying to seek the approval from others? And what's that about for me? Can I go inwards and give myself that enoughness that I can tell myself I am good just the way I am? Um, because when we do that for ourselves, we can also do that for our kids. And so when, then when our kids say, no, I don't want to do that, then we're like, yep, yeah, I get it. It feels really hard today. And that's not something that you want to do. Right. And I am going to say that there have been times that we have seen parents force their children to hug somebody. Mm. And find out later the reason the child was reluctant or resistant to hugging that person is because that person had touched them inappropriately. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We we really need to honor our children and teach them their nose mm-hmm. and that we can teach that body autonomy at such a young age. Yes. Now, I know, too, I wouldn't say I'm a people pleaser, but my love language is acts of service. Mm. So I can see where that could kind of fall into that category because I want to help everybody. But I also had to learn that I can't overextend myself and that I can't help everybody. Yeah, that that again is that piece for you of acknowledging what is and isn't possible and then detaching that from your self-worth. And, and I think what we do in partnerships and thinking of the stepmoms that I've worked with, how amazing they are to show up and saying, I want to help everyone, right? There's this act, especially if you lean in towards acts of service, Laurie, right? Like it's just this inner part of you that feels good. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have to step back and say, okay, wait, hang on. What is this costing me? And a good sign that you're struggling with your boundaries is that feeling of resentment, Is that feeling like others are taking advantage of you? Is that irritation and frustration towards others? That's usually a good sign that you are giving away too much of you. Right. And is it that people are taking advantage of you or they're just allowing you to continue to do what you're wanting to do? Because there's a difference. Oh, there's a huge difference. And that's why in our relationships, looking at intention behind something is always so important and it's often missed in the conversation. We have to consider the intention of someone's behavior and we don't know what the intention is unless we ask them and they tell us. Now, of course, I know a lot of this conversation can also go into the, you know, is someone manipulating you? Will they be honest and forthcoming with you? And truthfully, Lori, when I work with people, you know, most people are not out to manipulate us or to gaslight us, to use those words. But most people, of course, it's a human nature that if I say, hey, love, can you take the kids to school today? That makes my life easier. I want to lean on my partner and ask you to do something rather than having to do it myself. Right. And I will say, I find it interesting that when I was single and I had Jackson, nobody was there to help me. Mm. And that was okay. But all of a sudden, when somebody is there to help me, 
is when that resentment comes in. Because, so what I tend to see show up in my community is because of the expectation. Yes. And that's where I was going. Yeah. Right. Because suddenly then you have this expectation of the other person and they fail to meet it. Right. And I've asked this question a lot and I want to ask you your thoughts on it. Who are we to have expectations of other people? Mm. We often tell people when you're in a blended family, have zero expectations. Mm. And someone will say, oh, no, you've got to have expectations. I said, okay, I have expectations that the kids won't sneak into the bedroom at night and stab me to death. But that's about it. (laughs) But really, who are we to place these expectations on people? Because all it does is make us angry or disappointed or resentful. Okay. (laughs) This is big. So let's see. The the challenge with our expectations is that if they are really far away from the reality, we are going to struggle, whether it's expectations of ourselves or of someone else. Mm -hmm. So the larger the gap between an expectation and reality, the more likely you're going to struggle and also probably the more likely you're going to feel resentful, right? Right. So, well, yeah. I'm trying to give an example, but I'll just leave it at that. So, so our expectations bad. We need to check our expectations. And I think from my, my kind of psychological perspective, I think expectations motivate us and give us hopes. Like we need hope sometimes to go forward in something, but I think we have to be able to understand that just because we expect something doesn't mean we're going to get it. And maybe perhaps, Lori, what I can spin in here, just to kind of like, like, let's kind of open up this thought bubble here, is that what we need to do is to have resilience for when an expectation is not met. Mm -hmm. And that even, okay, if we go to the children level, so, you know, my son sits down for dinner as like, this for dinner. And to me, that says he had expectations of what might show up on his plate that night. What's funny is a stepmom will look at that as that ungrateful kid. How dare he have this attitude with me? You know, it's interesting. So, so we're not a blended family, my husband and I, but Uh we do, we do have that conversation around gratitude with kids around the gratefulness where we'll like have this fantastic day. We're like, we're at the beach, we're building castles. We got the ice cream, we got the pizza. And then we get home and they're like, oh, we're having this for snack. And we're like those little ungrateful kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I think sometimes that's like our coding or in our like DNA, this like generational view that our kids should be grateful for what we do. We've got to break through that yes. in, in, in our families, with our own children, with our stepkids, like we just need to break through that our children should be grateful and they're allowed to just be messy. That's what kids need to do to discover the world. So again, that comes back to our personalization. Don't personalize what the kids do. It's not about gratitude. It is about expectation, right? right? You show up to dinner and like, who doesn't? I I sometimes come home and my husband's made this nice bowl of whatever. And I'm like, oh, I really wasn't feeling rice tonight. Yeah, (laughs) I want cereal. (laughs) Oh, I know. Like, Right? So how it's like such a human experience. But I think when we can then instead validate that experience, whether it's for ourselves, our partners, or our kids. And validation sounds like, oh, I get it. 
That's not what you expected. This feels hard in this moment, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You weren't expecting this to happen. And that can happen for our partners, for the kids, but also think of saying that to yourself. So Lori, I love that you said expect nothing because I think that can be a really powerful piece. If the listener, if you happen to have an expectation, then when it's not met, saying to yourself, this is a human experience. It would make sense for others to like, it would make sense for you to struggle in this moment because others struggle with this too. You're not alone in that struggle and feeling upset when your expectations not met, but don't spiral down into it and connect it to mean things about your stepchild or about how things are going in your blend. Like that is just really important for you to take a step out of that. Right. Yes. And a lot of what we teach in the Nacho Kids Academy has to do with mindset and changing your thinking and mm. pausing and learning to respond, not react. And it's not easy. It's like the human growth that we're all doing is pausing and tapping into we can talk about that from all kinds of different perspectives one is like the wise mind versus the reactive mind Mm -hmm. right so you can pause and breathe and notice what's happening notice your thoughts and feelings and then you get we're coming back to that key piece you mentioned earlier Lori, which is choice Mm -hmm. you have a choice of how you respond rather than reacting yes Mm. i know david sent me an email the other day he doesn't watch tv as much as i do A lot of times I use it for background noise, but he sends me an email and says, can we do something to lower this bill? Talking about Dish Network. And I'm thinking, you ask me that all the time. (laughs) And it drives me crazy. But it's because it's something he doesn't use and he doesn't feel it's necessary, which is not necessary, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, we all get to have our, our things, right? Right. And so I sat there and... Of course, I was a little irritated because I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. But then I thought about it, and I was like, you know, let me respond like this. And I replied, and I said something to the effect of, dear husband, are you trying to drive me crazy? (laughs) (laughs) You used humor. Yes. Which is a, it's a diffuser. And hey, Lori, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to let you know that David's going to be sending you that email for the next 5, 10, 20 years. Yes. (laughs) Well, because that's what we know in relationships. We're going to have the same fight, fight, like the same disagreement over and over and over again, which is David comes to you asking X and you feel Y. And that's just going to show up over and over again. Old Lori, before I had all this growth, would have kicked into, fine, I'll just cancel it all. Mm, passive aggressiveness, yeah? Yes. Yeah, right, because you felt... Like what I wanted didn't matter. Mm. Or that he is somehow saying that I watch TV too much. Mm-hmm. You know, we could look at it 18 million different ways, but that response isn't going to do anything, and it would make me mad because I'd cancel it. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> so... What I'm going to do is I'm going into the Dish Network login, and I'm removing his email so they can't send him notifications so he don't think about it anymore. (laughs) 
<laughs> taking the exposure away. Yeah. Hey, uh, so you're you're talking here about the negative cycle that couples get into, and we know there are three kinds. So if listeners are curious about what cycle that looks like for you and your partner, I do have a free quiz on my website. My website's drtracyd.com. And the quiz is not a diagnostic tool in any way. It is an educational piece. And when you fill it out, you'll get an email and a little guide that's going to tell you more about that cycle. Mm -hmm. Because, Lori, that cycle is that classic, I'm asking you a question, I up the ante, and then I throw in what you did last time, and then I'm kind of, it's like we're going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And what's underneath that, though, are often our longings, our core attachment needs and longings, which might be like, I need to be seen and understood. I need to feel important. I need to know that I'm adequate for you or that you think I'm enough for you. Mm-hmm. Or, or or then we tap into some of those core emotions and we stop sharing those things the more distressed we become. Right. And that that's this piece where, you know, being able to share something like, you know, I'll just kind of parachute into this. It's like, this is sometimes what it sounds like for some of my clients. It sounds like, you know, David, every time you come to me asking about getting rid of dish, I... I just feel really unthought of and I feel sad because that's a really important piece for me. And when you ask me, it feels like you don't see me. It's quite a different conversation, Laurie, instead of going into the like, yeah, that's right. Fine. I'll just cancel it. And then I'm not going to make you dinner for a month and see how you do. Mm Yeah. Start thinking, what can I take away of his? What can I complain about? Right, right. And Lori, you know, I think this conversation just really speaks to how hard it is to be in relationship with other people yes. and that we're not taught these skills and tools. I mean, you're talking about communication here. We don't know how to communicate boundaries and wishes and needs. These are skills that we need to learn. And I know you're teaching it in the Nacho Kids Academy. Yeah. One of my favorite ones is the FBI statement. Ooh. And... It's not easy to do. I remember something happened with David. I can't even remember what it is, but he it really upset me. And he had left, and I sat there, and I was getting ready to text him, and I said, wait a minute. How, how were you going to text him first? Were you doing a text bomb? What do you mean a text bomb? Like, blah, 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 blah blowing him up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. He was here, and he had said something, and I think it, it hurt my feelings is what happened. Mm. And so he left. And I was going to text him and say, that really hurt my feelings. You shouldn't do that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait a minute, regroup, FBI statement. And that's feelings, behavior, and impact. It took me 20 minutes <laughs> yeah, to come up with this FBI statement. I knew I was mad. I knew I was hurt. But I had to figure out how to articulate that and it not come across as hateful or uncaring or judging him or saying he's a bad person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I sent it to him. And you know what his response was? Great use of the FBI statement. <laughs> don't, don't you love when they come back to us with, mm-hmm. with, with the with the strategy? Like, yeah, I see your strategy right there. Right. And and again, I, I get the sense of how you two are able to diffuse that situation where it becomes tense, right? And it is about 
And, and Lori, I think what you're sharing here that's really important for us is it's, it's like, I get to decide how I'm going to communicate what's happening inside of me. And this is the only thing that I really have control over. Those are my choices. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, gosh, that statement, it's, it's so important, right? How am I feeling? What's the behavior behind, like from you and how is that affecting me? I can really help to share with someone else how we're doing. Mm -hmm. And one thing I remember, I had to go to court-ordered counseling with my ex because the judge wanted us to try to learn to Mm co-parent. And I met with this lady, and thank goodness we ended up going with somebody else because I didn't even tell him I met with this lady because I didn't like her. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing she did say to me that has stuck with me is taking the you out. Yes. Don't say, every time I send you something, you respond with whatever. Or every Mm -hmm. time my son goes there or is with you, he comes back, blah, blah, blah. And taking the you out, it's not easy either. No. But it slows you down. When you have to say I. Right. And and remember the I feel like you da 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 yep. is still not a, a taking nope. the you out. You got the you in there. Yep. <laughs> There's the you in there, right? That that is powerful because we have to go into ourselves of what we're feeling and experiencing. And for many of us, that does take time and practice, right? This is a practice, and especially when we then go back to here, you are here, we are. People who were told, don't say that, go hug your grandma, right? Mm-hmm. That we're, we've learned early on. And I hear this from so many women. I don't know how to identify my feelings and needs. It's like, yes, of course, because let's look at your history. It makes sense. You were never taught how to do this. They were pushed away. You were taught to do that. And so now today we have to slow things down. And that can even go into moment to moment, so here's an exercise that listeners can practice if you struggle to do the I part, mm-hmm. which is set a timer for the same time each day so that it goes off on your phone. When it goes off, ask yourself, how am I doing in this moment? So you might do a little bit of a body scan. Basic needs is a great way. Do I need to use the bathroom? Do I need some water? <laughs> how? Wh- like, where are my shoulders in space? Like, oh, they're up right around my ears. I'm just going to put them down for a minute and release that tension I'm holding in my jaw. And that's how we learn to listen to our needs first is when we go to our body. And then over time, we can start building on that. And as you had already mentioned, doing the pausing and slowing down Mm -hmm. and asking ourselves what's happening in this moment. Yeah. And will it matter in five minutes, five hours, Mm -hmm. five days? And and is this coming from a place of love and all those good Mm -hmm. questions? Mm -hmm. I, I had to giggle. I'm sorry. I don't know why this memory popped in my head when you said that about, do I need to use the bathroom? That's one of the questions. But I remember I worked with this guy, and golly, this had to be 20, 25 years ago. And him and his girlfriend were fighting, and things were looking really bad. And between them, like, we really thought they were going to break up. And the next day, he came in, he said, thank goodness things are better. We were like, oh, yeah, work things out. He said, she just needed to poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just comes back to that basic need. Although it, 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 there's a little more going on in there, but I'm so glad. <laughs> well, and, it can make you grumpy, you know? Of course, of course. I, and also too, though, okay, so 
we come back to this experience where parents, step-parents, we lose that I piece, the autonomy. And then we, we and you had started out by saying this, is that we become the super stepmom, right? So you're becoming the super stepmom. You put your needs to the side. You take on the drop-off and the pickup and, okay, kids, like, we, you know, let's do the homework. We've got to do the homework and pack your bags and make your lunches, clean your lunch boxes. And then asking yourself, have I gone pee? Mm-hmm. When have I had a chance to use the bathroom or to sit down and eat rather than looking after everybody else's needs? Right. Yeah. Or when have I been able to use the bathroom without a child on my lap or knocking okay. on the door? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's important that we can recognize those things. I know a lot of times I'll think, I'm feeling really grumpy. Why am I so grumpy? And usually you can figure out why if you think about it. It may be, it's that time of the month, so hormones are going crazy. Mm-hmm. It can be, oh, wait, I didn't realize that today is actually the day my mom died. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those things are subconscious. Absolutely. And then once we can identify why, it's almost like, okay, I can breathe. I've got a reason why I'm feeling this way. I feel better. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of power in being able to put yourself in the context of what's happening. And clients are always really surprised when we meet around a certain time and they're like, oh, this, you know, I'm just having this struggle right now. I'm feeling a bit down and feeling off. And when I can reflect back to them, you know, it's interesting. This is the time of year where you told me that X, Y, or Z happened. And they have this kind of aha moment of, oh, right. And it's because subconsciously, unconsciously, we know our bodies, we feel it in our bodies, our bodies remember. And sometimes it just takes, again, that slowing down and we talk about the restraint collapse for kids when they get home from school. Mm-hmm. But we can also talk about that with our partners, that it can be really easy to displace our angry or irritable feelings onto our partner because like there, there's there's two things happening here. One, they're your safe person, which is good. We want you to have a secure and safe bond. And at the same time, when we do feel angry and irritable, venting it out, blowing it out on someone else reinforces that pathway that that's what you do with anger. And instead, actually, with anger, we need to learn to go slower and be curious and say, oh, look, I'm like noticing. Notice that you're angry in this moment. And then asking yourself, what is this feeling trying to tell me? What mm-hmm. do I need? Right? Right. Yes. And we have to remember that men and women are so different. Women benefit from venting. Men don't really vent as much. We've been socialized to be really different. Actually, we know our brains are different early on as well. We know that uh, girls develop emotionally and socially earlier than than boys in terms of brain development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's quite fascinating. Then you you throw in society, culture, expectations of different sexes and how we show up to our emotional experiences. Mm-hmm. We, we can say some people, I, I like this expression because I think it's important in the context of sex, but some people become intimate to have sex and some people have sex to feel close. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, some look at it as intimacy, and some look at it as a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The outcome. Yeah. And, and, you know, in a relationship, then I think what's important for us to remember is we're trying to co-create our experiences. So when partners say it has to be all of this way, I say to people, that's not how a relationship works. Because if you're asking your partner to give up all of themselves, then that's not a relationship. But instead, it's about co-creating. It's about understanding who each of you are, your the ways that you work inside, what fills you up, what are the struggles, how you perceive and understand the world, and then trying to build that together. So it's not you versus me, or actually, I like the sandbox analogy, which is like, if I'm in my sandbox and I say to my husband, hey, you can only play with shovels and buckets in my sandbox. Don't bring your cars over here. That's not how we play in my sandbox. Mm-hmm. That's not a relationship, right? Right. But instead, that co-creation is, okay, here we are in our sandbox. I'd like this space right here so I can build a castle. And you know what? Let's build a little road around it for your cars. And that's a co-creation. We're yes. building our worlds together. Yes. And I know in relationships, there are things that we need to do that we may not want to do. And when I say that, it may be, for instance, David's family's having a get together. I really don't want to go, but I need to go for him. It's that give and take. Mm -hmm. And that compromise. Yeah. A great piece in our relationship was with like, the compromise piece can be really hard because we like some, one person will say, you have to come to family dinner. And you're like, I don't want to go to family dinner. And if we stay in those positions, we don't understand each other. And one of the things I actually talk about in my book are, I talk about the four C's in relationships. And one of those four C's is actually curiosity. And we always need to start from a place of curiosity with our partner because that helps us to build understanding and empathy so that when David says, come to this get together and you're saying, no, I don't want to, you can understand by asking more questions and being curious what the get together symbolizes for David, what it means when you're by his side, what what's important about the get together, what's important about you being there. Right. And I am not talking about moralistic things or anything like that. I'm just talking about, I just don't want to go. I don't want to hang out with them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. Because people can say, oh, well, wait a minute. But no, I'm not talking about that you should compromise your morals because of somebody else's quote, quote, needs. No, this is a, a collaboration and a connection piece. I, so I talk about four C's in my book. It's curiosity, compassion, connection, and collaboration. Mm-hmm. and you know, I, in some ways, I hear that's really about collaboration. There's this we part of us, and it is. It, it's true. I mean, if if David says, "Lori, you need to show up at family dinner every Sunday night. You need to be there between two and five every Sunday, and you have to dress this way, and you can only talk about da 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 da." But you you get the point, right? Mm-hmm. And you better that's have awesome. a smile on your face and, and smile, and you know, love it. You have to love it and like every single family member. That's not a collaboration. That's not you being together. But if David can say, you know, Laurie, I recognize that this is your you time and I know how much you need that you time. So how can we then go about getting that for you during the week? Mm -hmm. And then that way, both of you are getting your needs met. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, what's the name of your book? Tell us about that. 
Mm, the book is called I Didn't Sign Up for This. A couple's therapist shares real life stories of breaking patterns and finding joy in relationships, including her own. And w- what I do is I walk you through, I share four couple stories in the book. Uh, couples who show up into my therapy office struggling to heal their old wounds, to build a healthy, connected relationship. And I talk a lot about interdependence and attachment styles. And one of the stories in there, actually, Lori, is the story of Peter and Corinne, who are struggling to blend their family because Peter is struggling with boundaries with his Mm ex-wife. And I walk the reader through how I worked with them in therapy and the ups and downs that they had in their own relationship. And I mean, the stories, I know these are stories of everyday people who come for therapy. And what I've heard from reviewers so far and from readers is that they have just felt so seen in so many of the stories. They connect to so many of the people. You know, Ashley, another story in there comes to therapy because her partner doesn't want to come. And mm-hmm. she's she's a people pleaser and isn't able to communicate her needs with others. But Laurie, the piece that I did in the book that felt really important was to include my own story of how I struggled in the depths of resentment with my own partner after having kids and trying to co-create our own worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the title of that, especially because blended families often hear, well, that's what you signed up for, or you knew what you were getting into. Right. And, and you know, it it was so, as I was writing this book, so before I wrote the book, I kept hearing it over and over again. (laughs) Um, I can think of the stepmom in my therapy office saying, this isn't what I signed up for. I can think of another couple who is struggling with boundaries with in-laws. Oh, girl, we could talk about that all uh, day long. <laughs> <laughs> These are the stories. These are the real struggles of what show up for us, right? Right. And, and, and it is this experience of like we enter into a relationship with those hopes and expectations. And and that, of course, is why we move forward in a relationship because we want it to pan out in some way. We want to build this connection. We're we're hardwired to connect. We're not meant to live in silos and you know concrete buildings by ourselves. We're meant to be with partners and to be connected. And yet to form a relationship that feels good and the one that we want is like just the hardest piece of what we're doing in relationships. Right. Yes. And I will say, regarding boundaries with in-laws, it's best if those boundaries can be set by your partner Mm -hmm. prior to you moving in the house. Oh, so important. (laughs) I mean, really at the core of it, when it comes to those boundaries, it is best. I mean, sometimes it's not possible, but it really is best for communication to come from the child of that family. So David communicating with his family, you communicating with yours. And and then again, when I come back to that sea of collaboration, we don't go to family dinner on Sunday when Lori's not there saying, yeah, well, Lori didn't want to come. Right. We say, oh, we are not able to make it to family dinner on Sunday. We've decided that we're going to put the kids in camp for weeks this summer. We like, right? Like there's that we part because right. what so often happens, and especially for families who are blending as well, is that one person becomes the scapegoat or the bad guy. Yes. Stepmom equals scapegoat. Yes. <laughs> right. And we yes. do not want that, right? We. Mm-hmm. 
because that, oh, that's messy. And, and we get into all kinds of triangulation and just it, 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 at the end of the day, what ends up happening is when we can't set those boundaries with our own family and we, we don't communicate from this we place, um, the couple ultimately struggles. Right. Yes. And if I told my parents, for instance, David didn't want to come, then they're not going to like David. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if they don't like David when I don't like David. <laughs> but if they don't like David when I do like David, it causes problems. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We we want to protect the other person. And w- when I say that, I'm saying it from a place of a healthy and safe relationship, not one that is emotionally or physically or right. sexually abusive. Yes. Um, but we do want to protect the bond, which is um, if your partner struggles to be with your dad, for example, then you don't say, yeah, David doesn't want to be around you. You you protect the bond of the relationship. Right. Yes. And it's so important, even with kids, when those boundaries are going to change to implement those prior to the blend, because if not, it's going to be, well, you're only saying that because Lori said so. Yes. Right. I remember one time David told one of his kids something and he said, is this coming from you or her? Oh, <laughs> of course. Well, okay. And then let's also conceptualize this in the sense that you, we'll just use David's parents as an, just as an example. But David sets a boundary and the parents are like, hmm? well, this this isn't our son. I, where mm-hmm. is this coming from? It doesn't it, – it's not – our job. So, Lori, it wouldn't be your job to try to convince his parents that it wasn't from you, that right. you're not the bad guy. That's not your job because you can't control how other people are going to view and perceive you. Yes. All you can do is act as aligned that's going to be best for you and for your family. And ultimately, what I know happens is that parents, so David's parents, they need to put their discomfort their hard feelings onto something. And for people who are not able to go inside of themselves and say, "Mm, this is me that I'm struggling with, they're going to place it on other people. Right. Yeah. I remember when my mom and dad split up. I was 30-ish. And my dad didn't really bash my mom. That's just not really how he is. My mom was hurt. So you know Mm -hmm. what they say, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And so my mom would say things about my dad to me. And I finally had to say, I love you. I am your daughter, not your friend. Mm. And I had to set that boundary. Mm -hmm. And she pushed it. She she didn't want me to have that boundary. Mm -hmm. She wanted me to forget I set that boundary. And I remember she called me not long after that, and she said something. I said, Mama, either you change the subject or I'm going to have to get off the phone. So many of my clients struggle to get there, right? We we talk about that. It's like you reinforce the boundary. You state it again. You let them know what you want or you don't want to happen. And then when that doesn't, is when it's not respected, because you can expect other people to not respect your boundaries. That's what other people are doing. They're teaching you. Mm -hmm. Instead of kind of falling into that pattern of like, okay, mama, I guess I'm just going to talk about this. No, instead you say, 
We can either change the topic or I need to end our phone call. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Right. Yeah. And you, you like you said, you don't have to be rude about it. Mm-mm. You don't have no. to say, I told you that I'm not going, you know. <laughs> you don't have to be like that. You can just say, we've had this discussion before. I don't want to have these conversations with you. Can we change the subject? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just that piece around a really healthy boundary, which is the empathy, the understanding to the other person, and then being able to state again what it is that you need and want. And Melissa Urban uses this in her boundaries book. She uses the green light, yellow light, red light. And green light is you treat the other person with with well intention. They have good intentions. You know, they're not trying to harm you. Most people are not trying to do that. They're they're all learning about boundaries themselves. Mm-hmm. But then there are times where boundaries are being pushed and pushed and pushed where you then have to go into more of the yellow light, red light. And red light is like, I need to end this conversation. I'll see you next week. Right. Or red light is, I need to end this conversation. I need to take a break. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have all of the green light parts of it, which is, I know you're trying to be, duh, duh, this is really hard. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I do. Well, you've also got a podcast. I do. And I love the name of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, my podcast, I'm Not Your Shrink. And I started in 2019. And the the goal of it was to reach more women, to help them to change the dialogue in their life. Because... We are filled with so many scripts and unhelpful beliefs and comparisons and criticisms. And it's just been so fun to be able to connect with people like you, Lori, where we can talk about just showing up meaningfully in life. Yeah. And I feel like the wisdom I have gained in the last 14 years being married and going through this blend is something that I would have never gained in a lifetime in a nuclear family. Mm, that's a beautiful frame. Yeah. It really is. It's being able to see the gift of this and then have that that gratitude and appreciation for this offering for you. Yeah. And you do the same thing. You help so many people with your book, with your podcast. It, you know, it's it's interesting when I think of my, my career, I, I've thought of the last few years as my second shift in some ways where my first my first season I maybe use the word season my my second season my first season was about really sinking into my clinical experience sitting with client after client in my therapy room and there was something that was missing in that season and that was the ability to reach more people and to reach people outside of my therapy room using the clinical and research based experience that I have And acknowledging that therapy is not accessible to everyone, whether they don't want to go to therapy, whether it's not affordable, or they don't have the time. And so it's been such a gift in this season to reach more people outside of my therapy room and just seeing the impact on that. For anyone listening today, if something stands out for you, please send me a DM over on Instagram or send me an email and let me know what stood out because it's such a gift to be able to hear from you what, what that is. Right. Exactly. Well, Dr. Tracy, thank you so much for being a guest. Laurie, thank you so much for inviting me here. It is, when we jumped on, before we jumped on, officially pressing record, I said to you, thank you for your patience with my poor emailing for us to finally get this scheduled together. So I'm just so grateful for you and for the community that you offer here and how you are helping 
stepmoms and families blend and build a relationship and a family that's meaningful for everybody. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And we definitely appreciate what you do because they go hand in hand. They do. They do. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much, Lori. Well, tell people again where they can find you. Yes, absolutely. So the best place is drtracyd.com. I have several resources for you in terms of your relationship. There's a blog there. There's some free downloads. And then my book is drtracyd.com forward slash book. And then please visit me on Instagram. My handle is drtracyd. All right. That sounds great. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. It was great having Dr. Tracy as a guest on our podcast. It was. I still still seeing what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have her back in the future to talk about more stuff. All right, David's very talkative right now, y'all. So I just want to remind you, we are less than two months away from Christmas. Ooh. Wow. Tell your significant other to buy you the gift that will last a lifetime. A membership to the Nacho Kids Academy. Oh, I thought you were going to say a grave marker. <laughs> the tools you learn in the academy, you will use throughout your life. Ain't that the truth? That is the truth. Even 14 years in the blend after the kids have been gone. Because they come back. <laughs> they multiply and come back. So maybe we need to do a Nacho Kids Academy Grandkid edition. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, we are second generation nachoers here. Yeah, we are. Yep. We learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only we learning, but we having to teach the kids and teach the um the new additions to the family. <laughs> How to nacho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having to teach the the spouse, the new spouses and girlfriends and everything. <laughs> how to change their stinking thinking. Yep. How, how it's not my fault that they don't know how to do stuff. Yep. That that's all David's fault. Nope. <laughs> it's that BM. I do find it funny that two of your kids claim to not know how to cook anything but eggs. Well, where would they have been placed where they had to cook themselves? Something to eat because there were no adult supervision. When they moved out? <laughs> no, the military cooked for them. <laughs> uh, that's true. It's good they know how to cook eggs then, I guess. Yep. Lower those expectations, Lori. Lower them. Get rid of them. And just a reminder, we are working on an expectations challenge for the Nacho Kids Academy. Just don't expect much from it. Yeah, don't expect it to be anytime <laughs> soon either. <laughs> Lori? We're going to start you right there. <laughs> it's about like that book I'm writing. Yeah. <laughs> you can expect it one day. <laughs> that's what. Hey, that's what you do. You write a book on lowering your expectations and every page will be blank and you can sell it. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a here's a thing about expectations, because somebody else brought up expectations on a Facebook post this weekend, and my comment was, you know, that it's that's a very complex topic, and I kind of like to start with none. And their response, though I don't remember it word for word, was something about, 
well, you should have some expectations for people. Um, you know, like just general stuff, like don't talk over me while I'm talking and don't chew with your mouth open, whatever. Just, and I'm like, mm, I didn't have a chance to respond to that, but I'm still thinking to myself, it's better for me to set expectations as I, as I learn more about somebody than to come in and have expectations from the start. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and, and that's a very quick process. It's not like, Oh, once I get to know you after 30 days, then I'll have expectations. This might be something that literally happens within a few minutes. Right. You meeting somebody, but when I meet somebody for the first time, I don't go, Hey, hold up. Let me tell you what my expectations of you are before we continue this conversation. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. You meet somebody. You have no expectations of who they are, what they are, or anything else. And then you start developing those expectations rather rapidly. Yeah. And then you have to determine whether or not you want to stop at a certain level or dial it back or whatever. But, you know, if you meet, if you meet some two year old and they're crawling up under the table, then you don't say, well, they sure didn't meet my expectations because they were crawling under the table. Well, I know many times I've said that you shouldn't have expectations. And I know many times people have said, but you have to have expectations. And of course we were talking in regards to step families. And I said, okay, I have the expectation that the stepkids won't kill me in my sleep. That's about as far as I'm going. (laughs) And that's even a little far (laughs) because there was a time I wondered about that. But you do have, you do have different expectations of each kid based on the data and the inputs that you've gathered over time. Right. Example. Well, I, I think that, I think that if, if one of them would do something harmful to one of their kids, and I don't necessarily mean like hurt them, but I think you would be, you'd be shocked at that. You have an expectation that they would take care of their kids. They've, they've proven by their actions that they'll do things for their kids. They'll go see them. They'll take care of them when they're sick, whatever the case might be. And so you might, you may not have had any expectations in the beginning, but then once you see them display certain actions, then you now have that level of expectation for them. So because you've seen that behavior, you now have that expectation. So if I see them behave somewhere when we go out to eat, that's what I expect from them going forward. Yeah. I mean, because then you're looking at them going, you were fine the last time we came here. Why aren't you fine now? Okay. So people tend, and that's everywhere in life. If you really think about it, you tend to set your expectations for today based on past happenings. Mm -hmm. Right or wrong, that's kind of what you expect. If somebody's an alcoholic and cusses at you and all that, when they get drunk, then the next time they get drunk, you're like, well, that's what I expect them to act like because that's what they did last time. Yeah. So in that in those cases though, when you think about it, it's not really 
it's not really us that's setting expectations for people. It's people telling us what expectations that we should have of them. Teaching us, not telling us. Yeah, teaching us. Teaching us, training us. These were this this is what you should expect from me. Okay. So when you and I start dating, mm-hmm. if you constantly clean my car, mm-hmm. that becomes an expectation I have of you. Right. And when you stop doing it, it causes resentment. Mm-hmm. Now, say we started dating and a friend of mine's boyfriend always cleaned their car. Mm-hmm. So I may have that expectation of you, even though you've never done it for me. And when you don't do it, it creates resentment. See what I'm doing here? Expectations and resentment. They go hand in hand. Oh, they definitely go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. All right. Enough about that, David. We need to get these people on with their day. All right. Get on with your day then, with your bad self. Yeah. And lower your expectations. If they're causing you problems, absolutely. If they're not causing you problems, then you can keep them right where they're at. There you go. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. And be sure to join us next week. And remember, life is good. When you don't have expectations. That's not right. When you nacho. Oh, my gosh. Somebody save me. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.